Hello, this is Fantastic Noise. In this episode, we are discussing the making of FYP, a dedicated Crystal Palace football club podcast made by and for fans of the team. Speaking with its host, Jim Daly. I'm Terry Lee, Senior Tutor in Radio and Audio at the University of Bedfordshire. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your ears. Most people who know me know I am a big Crystal Palace fan. I grew up in the Bromley and Croydon area and had a season ticket for a number of years before I left home for university. I bore my wife and daughter with talk about Eberichi Eze and Wilfred Zaha. My laptop is in a Crystal Palace branded case. Even as I speak, I am wearing Crystal Palace red and blue socks. So, unsurprisingly, I enjoy listening to radio and podcasts that focus on the mighty eagles. For years, I've been subscribed to FYP, a podcast which emerged as a spin-off from a written fanzine, and I've enjoyed the weekly chat from fellow Crystal Palace fans talking about the highs and lows of being a Palace supporter. Podcasts made by sports fans about their favourite team are not uncommon. There are loads and loads and loads around, if you do a, a quick search on your podcast app. But I know that FYP is an excellent example of one and it's making money as a business as well. So I managed to borrow an hour or so with the founder of the FYP podcast. Hello, my name is Jim Daly. I am a comedian and, for want of a better phrase, content creator, um, as well as a podcast host, writer, dad, and just very tired individual in general. Not only could he talk to me about podcasts, but through the wonders of Zoom, he could show me his huge collection of old and new Crystal Palace shirts. Sorry, let me just show you uh, the other resistance of here. Yeah. Oh, hello. Burgeoning football shirt collection. So I've been So you've got the you've got the third choice kit already for this season. Yeah, I'm, I'm not actually the hugest fan of it, but I think it's going to be one of those cult classics. After we hear the conversation, I will recommend something else to listen to, and we will have the radio word of the week. Let's have a short clip from FYP, then hear Jim Daly explain what exactly the podcast is all about. Hello and welcome to the 5 Pan Podcast. Hey! Pod 395, uh, and it's... Well, it's the it's the pod after Palace have beaten Tottenham Hotspur three 0 at Stella Park. Patrick Vieira's first, exactly. I mean, you can only laugh. Patrick Vieira's first win as Palace boss, and what a way to get that result! Uh, cannot wait to discuss that game with Kevin Day. Hello to you. Hello. <laughs> if I was had my sort of real confident promo hat on, I'd say it's the number one. Crystal Palace fan-run podcast and one of the most downloaded independent football podcasts in the UK. But if I was just meeting someone down the pub, I wouldn't say that because I'd come across as incredibly arrogant. So I'd just say it's 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 a, it's a Crystal Palace fanzine run by fans that's been going for a very long time, uh, about thirteen years now, and it's become a, a big part of my personal my career really and and takes up a lot of my time so it's it's really developed into into a proper job but uh yeah it's essentially a podcast about crystal palace uh run by the fans for the fans 
Excellent. Five-year plan or FYP. You know, it was a, a written fanzine. It still is. But but now it's become a podcast, as you say, for, for a number of years. So how and why did that happen? Now, that would... It, it happened around... I want to say 2008 because in fact I, I can actually I can pinpoint it so I was a bit, a bit of background a bit of context for you I was living in Tunbridge Wells in West Kent which is uh where I near to where I grew up grew up in a place called Eden Bridge in West Kent went to school in Tunbridge Wells I was living in Tunbridge Wells having come back from university where I studied journalism and I think I was working by that point for the local paper in Tunbridge Wells but actually in their in their Seven Oaks office but the, the courier in Tunbridge Wells and I was I mean, I'm I'm now, I would say, quite a sort of fun-loving, easygoing, creative dad. I was quite a serious person in my early 20s, or at least I thought I was. So I, I listened to a lot of Radio 4, uh, which obviously, you no, know, now, 37, fine. At the age of 22, I think maybe uh, people thought I was a bit pretentious. But I loved the little featurette, radio featurettes they used to do on you know, whatever, magazine-style shows, news shows, those little sort of uh, featurette packages they put together. And I thought, no, no one's doing that for football clubs or you know, specifically Crystal Palace. So why don't I take my work dictaphone, which I used to use at work because I was a report news reporter at the time, um, even though we weren't technically supposed to use dictaphones, we were supposed to use shorthand, but I was always terrible at shorthand. So I take a dictaphone anyway with me. Um, why don't I take it to a Palace game and just like interview some fans, my, my, my mates essentially, at, at, in the pub, record it during a game, see if I can get a goal possibly recorded, chat to my mates and then maybe edit that together and see what happens. And so I did that. And I can tell you the game, actually, it was away at Nottingham Forest in about, I want to say April, 2008, or maybe October, sometime in 2008. And we won two ones. Shefki Kuki scored the winner. Wow. And I believe, I believe he lobbed the keeper from about 30. He sort of spun on the edge of the box and chipped the keeper who had come out to clear it and hadn't quite connected. And so that took me ages to edit, probably a couple of weeks and put up, but it, it seemed to go down quite well. I think purely because there wasn't much else out there i mean this was really before podcasts were a thing i know that the guardian had started doing one during the 2006 world cup i think with james richardson and that really was the first sort of football podcast and i did i remember listening to that so i guess that must have been an influence as well but we put out this what andy street is one of my one of my best mates and one of the co-hosts in the podcast called the fisher price episode um because it was so basic but it went down quite well and and so then a few months later andy and i who we weren't living together. We started living together about a year later. But at that point, I was living in Tunbridge Wells and he was living in Purley as mum and dad. So we then, he was DJing at the time. He used to do a bit. He DJed at the Ministry of Sound at one point, I think. Wow. I mean, I was, gonna bring up, I was going to bring up Andy Street a bit later. I mean, I'm surprised that he was a DJ at the Ministry of Sound. That's I, that, I never saw that happen, but that was a myth that used to go around. But um, Andy's a very, very intelligent, smart guy. So I can imagine... And he had all the had all the DJ stuff, all the tech, all the, all the 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 sort of the the mixing desk and stuff like this. So I can completely imagine that he he would do that. And I've definitely heard him DJ when we lived in Putney. He would do it, but I never I never went to the Ministry of Sound things. So I don't know if that actually happened. Um, but anyway, he had all the equipment essentially, and then bought a couple of microphones for us to actually start trying to do a proper podcast, which we would record in his parents' uh, loft in around sort of late two thousand eight, early two thousand and nine. Um, so that's really how it started. And then we started doing that, put it out on SoundCloud, I think, or not even different, some other platform before that. I can't remember what. And again, I mean, I actually did dig out a couple of the early episodes the other day, and they are, they are terrible, as you'd expect. Some two guys don't really know what they're doing. Um, but 
it was very specific to Palace. And, and football fans love something when it is specific to them, no matter how bad it is. And yeah, same goes for the fanzine. When that started off, it was, it was very basic. And so it started to get a bit of traction because we're the only people doing it. And then from then, it just evolved into us getting buying slightly better equipment and getting to understand it a bit more. Me buying some proper editing equipment. And really, it, it evolved into there. And, and by about 2010, it became a fortnightly fortnightly episode, I think. And once it got promoted in 2013, we went to weekly. We've not gone back, although I've always sort of thought, if we go down again, I'll be devastated, but I'll be slightly relieved if we can go back to fortnightly episodes, which would be, which would be great. Um, but no, yeah, that, that's, so that's pretty much... I guess that's pretty much the evolution story of FYP. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So, so where did the, the written fanzine come into that history? So the written fanzine, the first one was 2003. So oh. the promotion season, 2003, first, first game of the season. Now, I obviously wanting to... That was also my first year at uni. So I'd just gone off to uni, but I'd been desperate to get into journalism. I did um, communication studies at A-level in West, in West Kent. Co- no, in Oxford County in Surrey. And then I did media studies at West Kent College. But I used to write for one of the fanzine called One More Point uh, mm. back in the day, I, which is a great way, actually. I would say anyone... Any young people want to get into sports writing, fanzines aren't quite the same as they are now. It's now basically looking at blogs and stuff like that or YouTube channels. But it was a very good way for young sports writers to try and get published, essentially. So my, my first yeah. ever published pieces were in, were in One More Point. And One More Point actually folded in the summer of 2003. And I got quite pally with the, uh, the editor, Chris Lehman, who weirdly I'm, I'm chatting to now. We're potentially going to do a crossover issue because the print issue of FYP has sort of stopped, unfortunately, the last couple of years, just because... Everyone's got older and got kids and stuff. And so it's not yeah. as easy as when you're in your early 20s, late teens. But Chris wants to bring it back. So when we're talking about doing a crossover episode. But anyway, 2003, he he then was saying to his writers, does anyone want to take over one more point? Like, I can't do it anymore. Again, got older, got kids, moved away. Does anyone want to take over? And I said, quite bold, actually, for a 17-year-old, 18-year-old at the time, I want to take over, but I want to do my own one. I don't want to call it one more point. And he was like, oh, okay, well, I'll help you know okay fine I'll help you let's you know let's 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 maybe put one point to one side and so he helped me set up um FYP and there was a uh, a lad called Mark Tyrrell who I knew at the time from the the Palace BBS message boards who um helped me out as well so we did it first five episodes together actually so especially as I went away to university so he was uh sort of more around Palace at the time at the games and stuff because I was a very poor student down in Southampton with no money and so that was, yeah, 2003. And then a year later, I told him I wanted to do it myself. So I kicked Mark out, essentially. Um, he was very gracious, actually, about it at the time. And uh, started doing it myself while at university in my second year. Changed the format to A5 because I'd seen the West Brom fanzine, which I think was called the Grawty Dick. I may have got that wrong, but I think that was the name of the fanzine at the time. Um, was A5 during a game. I thought, that is a, that is a much better size because it fits in your pocket, probably easier to fill the pages. Mm. So we started doing that um which yeah actually which worked really well so that's about 2004 and then yeah and then i was doing journalism at university so it's absolutely ideal my lecturers loved the fact that i was actually making this thing alongside doing fyp as well uh, yeah i have to say i'm thinking if i had students who were running a, a fanzine of a major football club such as where i'm based it would be luton town uh, that would be amazing so uh yeah thank you let's let's hope that inspires them when do you think the podcast became a bigger deal than the written version idea plan that is a really really good question basically the podcast story follows me and andy our living situation so we live together in 2009 i then went to live in america for six months uh in california and called uh 
where was I? Huntington, not Huntington Beach. I was in uh, Hermosa Beach, I think. Manhattan Beach. A lot of beaches around there. Um, lovely place. Did not want to come home. But anyway, came home late 2009. Moved in with Andy and Putney. And because we were living in the same flat, we sort of started doing the podcast again. Then we moved to Brixton in 2010. And we had a sort of basement in the house there. And that was a perfect place to start doing the pods. So it became a bit more sort of regular then. I was back in South London, going to more games. And it just became... It was such fun doing that we just started to do it sort of more and more regular. And that's when Kevin Day came on board. I sort of got, I can't remember how we got to know Kevin, but just sort of through Palace. And so we used to do a feature where I'd ring Kevin up and when we'd get Kevin's thoughts on FYP on Palace this week. Uh, and then that changed when we started then doing it at a local pub, the waterfront in Streatham, because I got to know the landlord, uh, Jim, another Jim, who I then lived with later on. So all, all these, when you're sort of young and in your sort of mid-20s, all your kind of hobbies pretty much follow where you are living and your work and stuff, really. So it sort of follows you around. Uh, and then so Kevin would come on the pod in person and James Endicott came along and we became a proper little quartet doing these pods. It became a sort of social thing, really recording pods at the same time so probably around that time 2010 when we started doing it at the waterfront and we'd started getting people making comments at games about the pod love the pod that listen to the pod that kind of thing and we did a couple of live pods at the pub at the waterfront then and people actually turned up i mean a lot of them were disastrous because we got so drunk we were just shouting over each other and had to cut half the episode to be honest but it was a very fun evening but from a technical point of view absolutely awful um but yeah, around then probably, and the the main fanzine was still going. I was basically doing, doing I was doing everything to be honest, pretty much um, editing the fanzine, which involved a lot of very late nights uh, trying to rush it to the the printers by deadline. When I used to live in Edenbridge, the printer lived across the road, so I literally was printing it out and putting it in a big envelope and dropping it through his letterbox at like three a.m. But then once I moved to Brixton, it was all done electronically, thankfully. Um, but it was still very late nights because I'm a terrible person with, with deadlines. But probably around then, the, yeah, the pod really started to pick up. And I think, I think to be honest, by then, fan, the fanzine culture was changing from uh, physical formats to more podcasts. They were getting, they were getting bigger blogs. We started a blog at the same time, and people were starting to move from sort of hard copies onto doing online blogs. And Twitter was starting to take off. So I think it was really getting digitalized around that time and that's probably when the podcast yeah started to maybe sort of become our main thing than the fanzine i'd say when palace got promoted in 2013 palace's fan base grew massively we were suddenly getting listeners from america and australia and south africa and that is really when we got became known as the fyp podcast i think rather than the fanzine which unfortunately is what we had with our twitter and facebook instagram handles and i've been desperate to change them to fyp podcast from fyp fanzine for years but the other guys andy and rob tell me not to do that because uh, i think they like that it's, uh, for branding i think it's probably better to keep as what you were but uh, but yeah probably around that time when i think the culture of fanzines was changing anyway yeah jim you've already mentioned kevin day because i was going to bring up that your lineups on the podcast now tend to to rotate a little bit um you, you referred to having a, a regular quartet for a, for a long period but kevin day for, for people who don't know is an established comedian and and better than that an established comedian who featured on match of the day too for for a number of years yeah. so had a connection to, to a very close connection to football and so presumably jim getting him involved felt like um a win-win absolutely did yeah because i was a huge huge fan of kevin's anyway and i think around that time he was still doing much of the day too as well so it was really quite a prominent face kevin's one of these guys where he's been a palace fan for so long that he's also 
you know was was pretty sort of well known at the time but also if if you met him at the pub was just like another another fan so mm. i found him incredible like that he was managed to sort of balance these two personas and once he got to know him was just an incredibly lovely and down-to-earth guy and i guess he must have listened to the pod because he was very keen to come on and he's also that kind of guy anyway if you ask him for anything he will try and do it for you so my first interaction was i think i interviewed him for the fanzine probably around 2008 or something like that and and he, we'd met up for a coffee in in crystal palace i think actually and chatted over his palace supporting love i remember when it went to print there was a, a massive error in the headline I'd, I'd done i thought kevin day with a lowercase d and i don't know why i'd done that and obviously that's in print forever now i'm sure someone's got a copy of that somewhere uh, in fact my dad does because he's got a copy of every single issue we did so um that was that was the kind of uh that was the kind of editing you were dealing with when i was in charge but then i asked him to come on the podcast in 2009 when andy and i were living in putney and he um he still tells the story that he was sort of, oh, yeah, I, yes, I said yes to these random guys. And I got off the train, didn't know where I was. And I stole, I had the last beer in their fridge and they were really upset. It was, it was I mean, it was like that, to be honest. But um, it was uh, it was really nice for him to come around our, our flat, essentially very pokey flat in Putney and, and chat to us about Palace. And it was very engaging as he is with all his sort of media broadcast endeavours. Uh, I think we actually, <laughs> we used to do at that point. At, we'd end every pod with a parody song which obviously was a precursor to my sort of comedy career and mm. i think we played him one of our songs live with handy on guitar and me singing that's what he says i don't actually remember that but i can imagine that we may have actually done that so bless him for sitting through that and then wanting to stay in contact with me after that there would have been a very very good reason to never answer my phone calls again um but then once we started doing it more regularly because obviously it's pretty ad hoc the episodes then uh yeah he was happy to come on in a on the phone first and then sort of in person um but it did feel like a big coup and i remember around the time certainly 2010 we did do another episode at the at the porson's arms actually me him and andy someone else was trying to start a podcast at the time and they said oh we've got kevin day as a regular guest and i was thinking i'm pretty sure kevin's a regular on ours actually kind of so i don't don't know what I don't know what they're talking about. I bet I better do some more episodes of Kevin and just sort of like try to confirm a few more. And I can't remember who who claimed that, but it obviously never took off. And Kevin very quickly became a part of us. And then James Endicott, who's a music AR guy, discovered the Libertines back in the day, very, very well known in the music industry. Um we he's he started selling, he's a big palace fan from Halifax originally, but moved down in the late 80s and uh, into south london and became an adopted palace fan he started helping us to sell the fanzines this would have been the same sort of time 2010 and he was such a lovely gregarious guy we were like would well, you want to come on a podcast and he would just come around to our basement in south london bring some beers and was just great to be around and so then that that sort of foursome just developed over the course of about i guess a year and before long we really realized we'd landed on something really special because we were it was so easy to get on with each other and as I said, people started coming up to us and saying, oh, I love the podcast. I love the four of you. You're really great. And, you know, it sounds like we've been mates for years. And we've been mates for maybe a year, 18 months. So just I just remember thinking, oh, we've really actually we've hit on something really special here. And it was just timing, it was just the right time. You know, I guess the right time in Kevin's career. That he was happy to come come on board. Maybe he thought getting involved in podcasts was a was a good thing for him. Right time in, in my career in terms of what I was doing. I was working for Goal.com then as a football writer, but living in Brixton with literally no money it was just timing which i think is a lot of these kind of things really especially in the sort of creative world a lot of it is is timing and just being in the right place at the right time or or getting a sense of maybe what you know it really felt like podcasts were the way forward then and we and we just we just happened to be ahead of the curve 
um yeah. so which are kind of lucky in that respect really but um but also we were four well me and andy two young lads and two older guys just having fun you know yeah going to yeah, the pub yeah. getting a bit drunk talking about palace and really having a good time so it's just yeah they were they were good times very good i get well even even now there's that vibe when as a, as a listener of the podcast it's one of the reasons i listen to to get opinions from from people who I like to hear the opinions of, and yeah, and you can yeah. also you also get to know people a little bit through their opinions, and, and some of the voices as well. I'd say you know add some really genuine insight. You know, for example, in recent years you've had um, a regular contributor, Adam Sells from Sells Goalkeeper Products, who actually you know is in contact with players through his companies, and so is able to to talk about knowing some of the goalkeepers that you're talking about and things like that. Also, Troy Townsend, who's been on in recent years, the father of Andros uh, Townsend, who's only just been uh, sold to Everton as we speak now. So, I mean, you, you've got a genuine insight from, from people. Also, they speak as fans <laughs> from mm. time to time. Or, or, so it's like they, they don't always know the answer. They've, they've got opinions like everyone else, and that's what obviously makes football such good a good thing to to talk about i think we sort of we built ourselves as a fan podcast first i mean we're very lucky to have the inside these guys i mean i mean adam represented a player that joined palace this summer actually um remy matthews who's, a, who's a, our third choice goalkeeper so on one of our patron episodes we actually got insight into how that worked adam was able to talk us through obviously without any you know breaking any sort of confidentiality agreements or anything like that, just tell us how that transfer worked and so for palace fans that's yeah, I guess for non-Palace fans, probably not that interesting. For Palace fans, really nice to get that insight into how the club works at the moment. And, and I, I can't imagine you really get that on on many fan-run things. And obviously, club media are always and always have been very careful about the information they put out. And there's always a bit of sort of um, cloak and daggers and keeping the curtain well and truly up when it comes to letting fans see behind the scenes. So anything like that, I think, is fans love it, and, and we do get very good feedback whenever Adam talks about that kind of stuff. And you know, we're very lucky to have Dom Fifield as well, comes on our Patreon podcast, a, a, an incredibly established journalist for a very, very long time. Talks very well. Obviously, he used to be on Sunday Supplement on Sky and stuff like that, work for The Guardian. Gives great insight as well. And Adam and Dom and Troy, when he comes on, I mean, Troy has been absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And thankfully, he's going to keep coming on, even though Andros has, has, has left the club now. But always used to give great insight as well. And you're right, they all talk as fans first because they are fans first. They are, you know, well, Troy has become a Palace fan, but Adam and Dom are Palace fans from, you know, from birth. But they also then are able to talk with their sort of professional expertise as well. And I really do think that gives the podcast a sort of a, a more varied edge, I guess, than other fan-run stuff. And we're, we're very we're very conscious of of being different to say like the Arsenal fan TV model where it's just rant, rant, rant. And we, we try to give a very sort of balanced. Yeah, we do have some episodes where, you know, Rob, Rob sometimes will do a little Rob's rant as it's known in the patron community. And, and that's great. And sometimes you need that if Palace, you know, things are frustrating because there'll be people listening and that will be reflected in their opinion. So that's important you do that. But we try and give a very sort of balanced, sensible insight into things. But that only comes with, with building a squad. And I call them my pod squad because I can't, I mean, for a start, we don't make much money, so I'm not able to pay my contributors. I kind of wish we were an Arsenal or a Man United because then I would be able to pay them like a sort of, you know, proper business. But we're not. So everyone does it out of the love. I try and reward them sometimes. So I've I've bought um, proper sort of microphone, USB microphones for a couple of the guys, the regulars, as a way of saying thank you. And I all, I always buy them a sort of a, a bottle of wine at the end of the season and some chocolates and something just to say thanks. Or Or now we started getting adverts uh if we get free stuff say from beer 52 or something like that I'll, I'll i'll make sure the guys will get the beer or the guys get the you know get the stuff as a way of saying thank you 
Um, because I can't expect Kevin James and Andy to do it all the time. They've got Andy's got two kids now, and they've got you know Andy's got a very he's a he's a, he's a lawyer, so he's got a very very demanding job. So I've widened the net with our pod squad mainly because I need more options. I can't rely on the same people, but I think it has really given us a, a really great variety into people's thinkings and, and and i really hope it's a reflection of the wider palace community and in fact we are looking to do more spread the net even further this this season so i've got a few new faces coming on as well which i hope reflect kind of the diversity of the crystal palace supporting world as well because i really want us to be a reflection of uh of the people that listen but that's come over time that's come over you know 13 years of being a podcast these things don't happen overnight you you listen to what people are saying about the pod you take on the feedback and then you try and develop in a way that they will hopefully appreciate um but i feel very lucky getting to meet kevin and, and uh, meeting adam a couple of years ago through andy actually was fantastic he's become a really good mate absolutely fantastic guy and then we had you know celebrities have come on like people like dot brown uh, mm-hmm. you're asking when did i re- think realize the pod became bigger than the fanzine when dot brown who was at, in back in 2010 one of the biggest names on sort of the, the rising comedy circuit was emailing us saying, I love the podcast, love the parody songs. We were like, oh, Doc Brown's listening. And then he came on a few times. So that mm-hmm. was a time I really thought, oh, yeah, we, we, are, we are doing something special here. But the fact we're able to then have these guys come on and talk as fans, but then bring their sort of professional expertise on. I just feel very lucky, very, very lucky. I, I think I'm quite good at sort of seeing an opportunity. So if I meet someone like that, like Adam, saying, oh, do you fancy coming on the pod? And, you know, t- trying to sort of improve the podcast. But I do also feel very lucky because... A lot of the time it is luck you know you don't, you're not always going to get in front of these people are you so it's right. just a chance of sort of being lucky and then meeting people and sensing an opportunity it doesn't always work out but i've been very lucky that a lot of the time it has and as a result i think the pod has benefited you've touched upon this already but you know regular listeners of of the podcast will be picking up on recurring themes and phrases and and i guess characters like doing their character traits so you talked about Andy as a lawyer and he will answer questions as a lawyer the ongoing joke I've noticed Jim is him answering a question with one word when yeah. your question isn't open enough yeah. for him James Endicott referring to to music or being referred to on music things a lot that comes up uh, but but also things like phrases like have we turned a corner <laughs> or or weird things like Kevin having a piece of folded up paper in his wallet or whatever it is yeah. so this these things happen and, and regularly come up almost every episode. So is that familiarness important to the success of the podcast, you think? And and do you think as well the podcast is inclusive of all Palace fans? Are you ever mindful when you're doing those sort of in-jokes or, or talking about characters that there, there'll be people listening that don't understand? How, how do you get around that? That is a really good question. My opinion has always been with, with podcasts, or certainly with our one, um, that if you can replicate that sort of chat of mates around the pub table, then you're going some way to getting the right kind of balance. And thankfully, we do get people messaging in saying, I sound like I'm, I feel like I'm sort of sitting in a pub listening to the four of you chat. And they seem to really like that. And when you are with your mates and chatting away, you will have in jokes, you will have in, in jokey phrases. That's how friendships work. So I'm quite happy to incorporate them and I really like it when something takes off. Now, I'm just looking at our, pot, our our merchandise range actually and in fact a few of them have become sayings on t- Free the Pods became one uh, when we started doing the Patreon pod and that's become a t-shirt saying. So Selzy Bingo because he quite often says the same different things. He made it into the little bingo card. So I, I like it when that happens and 
I don't worry too much about excluding people because I, I think actually new people that come on board hear these things and want to want to know more about it rather than it being off putting. And so I hope it's a way that actually keeps them sticking around to listen to more episodes and then after a while hopefully they'll be able to understand what the joke's about and then feeling included because once you once you get an in joke it's like this watching your favorite sitcom once you get an in joke from there you feel massively included in in the joke and in what's happening so we rarely do in jokes that are just us so andy and i will never do an in joke from say our friendship from back in the day but anything that develops on the podcast itself i think is fine because the listeners will be there on the journey with that joke they'll have heard it from the start and hopefully hear it develop so i think it's a good way personally of keeping the pod personal keeping the pod you know for your listeners um so yeah we're always looking for little in jokey things really or phrases and, and i do like it when they uh when they take off but you can't force them it's just one of these things that sort of happens and if it happens it does and if it doesn't you have to leave it but as a comedian yeah. it's very difficult sometimes because you, <laughs> you don't you don't ever force the joke but you know you're always looking around for uh for gags where possible but um, yeah. but i like our in jokes i think they're uh, i think they're part of the charm of the podcast yeah absolutely I, I i agree so presumably jim you know with a target audience of the you know, many thousands of crystal palace fans across the world you know you, you've got your target audience and, and you've established by the sounds of things an audience that is making this a worthwhile project for you to continue but how do you define success for the fyp podcast and and how would do you think football fanzine style podcasts define success maybe it's different for each one but is it through the number of listeners uh, you talked about merchandise and the fact that you've got merchandise suggests there is some success but merchandise sales do you monitor that is it something else what drives you to continue doing this a very very good question and to be honest i could spend upwards of an hour talking about it i do another podcast called blank where we talk to creative people and, and this question comes up a lot this idea of success and how do you quantify it? and as you say it, it, success i think is is personal to different people i think and it depends on what you're what you're looking for when we started fyp it was very much just a hobby and it was something i did alongside my full-time job I mean, I was working in journalism, so it, was, so it wasn't too far away, mm. and but wanting to get into broadcast stuff. So, so I guess, to be honest, doing the doing the podcast was probably a slight drive from me to sort of widen my broadcast skills. To be honest, and it, which it has has done, and I've got a lot of broadcast work off the back of it, so it's been good in that regard. But I'd say probably since I went freelance in 2013. The idea of actually then monetizing your hobbies suddenly became more important. So it's funny, if you'd have asked me this back in 2010, I would say probably listener numbers or downloads on the blog or something like that is how I would quantify success. But now as a freelancer, freelance comedian or creative or whatever you want to say, unfortunately, it does come down to the bottom line and it does normally come down to money, especially if you're a freelancer who's in his late 30s and has a young child and a mortgage. <laughs> Suddenly, those financial constraints are actually really important because you have to pay your mortgage or the bank will literally take your house away. Mm. Um, so that does, yeah, the older you get, or I guess the more your life changes, then those priorities do change. So now I guess I, I mean, I have a, I don't know how other people do freelance. I have a spreadsheet with all my freelance earnings on that, multiple spreadsheets actually. And so I quantify my success really by going down that and how much have I earned this month and that month. And, and it's a very sort of cold, calculated and uh, way to look at the capitalist way to look at things. But unfortunately, that is kind of the way of the world when you're a freelancer. So I'd say that sort of view of success has changed over the years, really, that as I have changed as a, as a creative and as I have changed as a, in my sort of professional 
world i think you have to start off by it being something that you enjoy because i think if you go into any creative endeavor thinking i can make loads of money from this i think you're starting off on the wrong foot Mm. um i think there has to be something that comes from the hearts with it and if even if you go into it thinking i love writing about football and it might be something down the line that i can turn into a job but right now i'm gonna go and watch my local non-league team i'm gonna write a match report for my blog or i'm gonna ask the local paper if i can do a match report because i really enjoy it and then and then you go down your local non-league team you get a press pass you sat in the press and it is exciting i still sometimes do some you know match reporting stuff and it is exciting so i think you have to have that excitement and we all know what that feels like inside us that little buzz that sort of buzz of anxiety nervousness and anticipation all together as long as you've got that it's a good place to start and then down the road who knows and and i think you're absolutely fine to be ambitious about things and especially these days where I think create the sort of options for creativity in terms of the platforms you can earn from have it has exploded, but I wouldn't have said I got into doing FYP for the money back in the day. And it took a long time for it to give me a, a living wage. I, I would say probably only the last three or four years mm. out of what nearly 13, 14 years. Um, so yeah, I would say that that idea of quantifying success, I think has, has changed with me, but, but I guess it's different from, from creative to creative. On a similar line of questioning then, Jim, you know, like many podcasts, FYP has a Patreon site which gives listeners a chance to support the podcast financially in exchange for things like extra episodes, access to a WhatsApp group. So tell us about why you decided to do that and, and how it has helped or indeed if it has helped. It's helped, well, it's helped massively. Um, we now have nearly 500 patrons, and um, which brings in a you know fairly decent wage, which I'm able to then pay some of our contributors to help out, which is great. Um, it's been it's been wonderful in terms of knowing that there's real sort of hardcore people out there who will support you. That's always nice to realise as a creative. Uh, and it is something that I'm going to look to do with my other creative endeavors, like my YouTube channel and my comedy and stuff like that, because I think there is an audience for it there as well. I'm very conscious of pitching that in the right way because you don't. Want it. Yeah. I do. I do think the sort of the nature of online creation and and the relationship between sort of creators and their fans has changed in the last couple of years. I think people are more wary now that creators need support, and I think people are up for supporting them because then then they get that personal content as we do with the uh, with the FYP patrons. So. I think the timing was right. So we first started doing it in the summer of 2018. And I th- Patreon was pretty new then, to be honest. I, I can't remember how I came across it, but it must have sort of just sort of come into my world. And I remember thinking, oh, we could maybe see another podcast do that. I thought, oh, we could try that with FYP. You know, our squad was growing and thought well, maybe we could try it. And if, actually, I can tell you who recommended it. Ed Malian, who, I, who is head of football, head of something at The Athletic. Mm. The Athletic UK is doing very well for himself. But I used to work with him at The Mirror on the mirror sports desk and i've known him a long time actually because he used to go to university near my brother in the in the midlands and um they used to go to football palace games together so i'd see oh, ed cool. around then he suggested oh, why don't you do a post-match podcast rather than your weekly ones and try that so we tried that for a bit and then that when we tried to start a patron that became the, the patron one. and actually there was a bit of pushback then because it had previously been free and we made it patron only so that was an interesting you know, I'm learning business skills by doing all this. I'm not a businessy person at all. I'm a creative person. But but then you started it. selling T-shirts that said "Free the Pod." As well. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. I mean, that you know, it's always nice to do your in jokey and poking jokes at yourself, I guess, as well. A few times. That was interesting, but yeah, it really took off very quickly, actually. And um, you know, I'm really proud of the fact we've got nearly 
you know close to 500 patrons and people are happy to support but you have to have that thing there that they want to buy into as well so it's a very again it's, it starts to go into the world of the realm of businessy decisions really to try and work out if you have this thing that that people want to support and and how do you pitch it and then you've got something taxes and stuff like that so yes. you know it's a very different world um but it, again it was timing wise i think it was just just the sort of right time for us really and the right time again for our listeners and our supporters to buy into it and be ready to support in that way but it's been very successful and we have a patron only whatsapp club which is fantastic and we've got some really really lovely people in there who are incredibly supportive which again sort of warms the heart a little bit really because when you're a creative person it can feel a very lonely endeavor sometimes it's sort of cracking away even if you have a pod squad like i do really i'm the guy that drives everything so you can can feel quite lonely sometimes cracking on so it's Mm. nice to have that support from listeners who really are on your side so that that's alongside the sort of monetization of it that's also been incredibly warming as well because really as creatives all we want to do is do things that people like and so actually when you've got this you know team of supporters on on your side or or on whatsapp as it is for me which gets very busy sometimes on that group um that it's it's really nice it's really heartwarming alongside obviously the sort of you know the monetary benefits jim you've referred to being you know yourself being a creative and you are a multimedia personality i've seen you've written work you're you're on youtube you've, you've got multiple podcasts um and and, and other things too so how much and, you know, stand-up comedian, that's the most, most important, perhaps the most terrifying thing for me to comprehend as well. So, so how much has creating the FYP podcast helped with some of this other work? Presumably, you know, as you say, it started as a fun thing, but, but I guess it's helped with you as a professional in other ways? Yeah, massively, massively. It's um, number one, it's given me confidence. And to be honest, when you're certainly when you're creative in the comedy world, but really anything, I guess, to be honest, um, certainly I want to get into more broadcast work, even just from my written journalism work. It's given me huge confidence to know that, you know, all these all, all these things that develop with FYP was all my vision. That's sorry, that sounds really terrible, doesn't it? But, um, you know, I, I planned to make the fanzines and I planned to do the podcast and then they all became a thing. Um, and so that's really comforting to think, oh, actually, the thing that I, I thought about doing and I tried doing became the thing I wanted it to be. So that, that is a big confidence booster. And it's a big example that you you can do these things, you know, you can put yourself out there and and they will become a thing and people will support it. So just in terms of, you know, keeping that creative fire burning, it's been wonderful. But in terms of actual skills, it's helped me massively with my broadcasting, um, which is always something I wanted to get into and uh, I mean I got a presenting job for joe.co.uk pretty much off the back of doing the, the podcast which was a huge opportunity for me and then that's led to other broadcasting work as well I did a stint at Yahoo Sports which was a, during the World Cup and the Premier League which was a great show I loved working on the show um, so and I've you know I've appeared on Match of the Day and BT Sports and stuff like that and that, that's that pretty much that's all come down from doing FYP so it's, it, again, sort of fanzines and podcasts are a really good way of not only testing and, and sort of developing your skills as a broadcaster or writer or whatever, but putting yourself out there. And really, you, you never know who's sort of listening or who comes across your work. And you might think, oh, this, yeah, this person knows what they're doing or, oh, this, you know, I'll check on back in on this one a year and see how they're cracking on. Because really, as a creative person, you only ever progress or get better through doing. There's absolutely 
there's no way you're going to get better by sitting around and thinking you just have to get out there and do it and that's what i would tell anyone wanting to get into comedy or journalism or broadcasting or anything you just got to go and, and do it and try and you know i've just done my first solo show after nine years on the comedy circuit which is quite a long time and it's gone down really well i really enjoyed it and, and it's given me huge boost in terms of my comedy i think i'm the best comedian now than i ever have been and yet if you asked me five years ago i was having a real slump actually and i stopped doing comedy for a bit and my confidence had hit an all-time low but just in the last year working on this solo show forcing myself to write this show and go and perform it has given me a huge boost and i'm really really excited about what the next year brings and that's just one example of someone doing something trying it out and seeing where it takes you so there's absolutely you know i understand people have a fear of failure and a fear of getting things wrong and that's happened to me many 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 times along the way but you only get better through failing and getting it wrong uh, and you'll never know until you try it you might do it and think oh that's not for me but i really enjoyed this aspect of it and look into that whether it's producing or writing or some editing so yeah it's been to answer your question i've got a roundabout way of, of getting to the point there um it, I would say nearly all of the things I'm doing now are down to me starting FYP and putting myself out there. Finally, we always ask our guests this last question. What are you enjoying listening to at the moment? Is there a particular you know, radio or audio presenter or station or podcast or some program uh, that's got your ear? Is there anything that you'd recommend that we listen to? Well, there's two. Um, so I, for someone that does a lot of podcasting i don't listen to many podcasts but that's, that, that is a time thing mainly because i have a 18 month old daughter actually a 22 month old daughter now so um oh. turns out young children do take up a lot of time how yes. dare they and um, they get older yeah exactly yeah can't wait till she goes to university and then i can get my life actually she started nursery this week actually which or last week which is a fantastic suddenly it's three hours back in the day to do stuff um <laughs> So I do listen to a couple of podcasts, the only two that I am myself patrons of, and they are the Socially Distant Sports Bar with Ellis James, Mike Bubbins and Steph Guerrero, which is a fantastic, lengthy, about two and a half, three hour pod episodes. Um, incredibly funny, very intelligent, funny, but also knowledgeable sports guys. Uh, and they just talk about that. The joke is they don't really talk about sport. They go off on tangents and talk about lots of random sort of life things. It's very listenable very 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 good um with that there's such long episodes i'm quite far behind about six months behind uh catching up with them i really don't have that much time to listen to stuff but I'd, i mean i recommend that if you're in if you are into sport but also comedy as well they're brilliant the other one is um quickly kevin will he score which is a 90s theme 90s football theme podcast with uh josh Whittacombe, uh, is the main sort of famous person on there that you might know. Um, Chris Skull, who's a West Ham fan and presenter, and a guy called Michael Marden, who's an, who's an editor, who I, th- who I think edits other podcasts with Joshua Dickman as well. And they're, again, you know, much like what we were saying earlier with the sort of d- the dynamic on our podcast, they're three mates who have known each other for a long time, as with the other podcasts as well. And so the dynamic is fantastic, and they're very quick, and they're very funny. And they get some good guests from the world of 90s football, you know, Darren Anderton, all these people like that. And so it's def- I'm a patron for them as well. And they do a lot of, they do a lot of great extra episodes that I have actually taken ideas from to do FYP or sort of used as inspiration as well. So they are two episodes I would definitely recommend. Very funny. If you're a bit of a sort of a, a, a nerdy, uh, yeah, a nerdy sports fan, like, like I was growing up, then um, they will definitely tap into uh, things you're interested in as well. So I would recommend those two those two podcasts for sure and to be honest that's that's about it in terms of my my free time because other than that it's uh, it's changing nappies and bedtime and, and then also trying to work on my own stuff as well 
Jim Daly there from FYP, a Crystal Palace fan podcast. There are hundreds of similar podcasts for different football teams around the world. I thought Jim raised many interesting points that could apply to many different podcasts. Firstly, Jim talked about the gap in the market at the time. The FYP podcast was founded way before podcasting got trendy. This obviously helped establish the brand. I think this could lead to conversations about the importance of podcast creators to consider what their USP is. If you're going to set up a podcast about your favourite football team, you should probably do some research as to what already exists. But for FYP, they were there first. For my students, I loved hearing Jim's advice about writing for written blogs and fanzines as a way of building up a portfolio of work, and your confidence too. Broadcasters these days need to be a jack-of-all-trades, so writing for a website or a fanzine might be fun and a productive thing to do to raise a profile. On the subject of FYP being a more successful podcast than a written fanzine, I think this is an example of the beauty of the podcast medium. I can't think of many radio stations that would play FYP on air. It completely excludes non-Palace fans. Yet, there are thousands of Palace fans. So I listen not because of the production values, but because I want to hear how my opinion on the last game compares to the panels. Recording and publishing a podcast is a lot simpler than writing and printing a fanzine. No wonder fan-based podcasts are so popular right now. Jim and I spoke about the way that in-jokes and slogans have become a crucial way for the podcast to grow fans. The fact that Jim sells merchandise off the back of these slogans suggests that he has more business sense than he lets on. It also encourages new listeners to keep listening and feel included in all the jokes rather than excluded. I guess by forming a podcast listener base around a shared experience like supporting the same football team, Some in-jokes might even be more universal than you might expect. Monetizing podcasts for Jim has become more important in recent years. After all, he's got children to feed, a mortgage to pay. The rise of Patreon and other monetizing schemes for podcasts has certainly helped FYP and other podcasts. Advertisers also like to target podcasts due to their specific demographics. FYP's advertisers in recent years have included subscription beer services and subscription sports news websites. They want to access the ears of the Crystal Palace fans. And both of these examples have, incidentally, gamed my business too. Finally, Jim talked about how he has got lots of broadcast work off the back of the FYP podcast. This is a fantastic advert for anyone starting a podcast as a passion project. It might just be the route to your media career that you'd always wanted. You can follow FYP on Twitter at FYPfanzine and hear Jim Daly host a podcast by subscribing to FYP wherever you get your podcasts. I'm going to briefly talk now about something I've enjoyed listening to recently. Fight of the Century is a podcast from BBC Five Live. Hip-hop legend Nas takes the listener on a journey that starts in 1967 and ends with a sporting event dubbed the Fight of the Century in 1971. That fight, by the way, was between Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Mixing narration, archive, expert witnesses and drama, the series covers not just the build-up to the fight, but some of the social background at the time, whilst America was rocked by race riots, political assassinations, the continuing war in Southeast Asia. 
The drama is compelling and the experts are great and it tells a story. As a boxing fan, my attention was held. I'm not sure why Nas was hosting it. Presumably the BBC wanted a big name attraction to be the main voice of the project. But all in all, a really good production effort. Fight of the Century is available on BBC Sounds or on all good podcast apps. If you would like to contact us here at Fantastic Noise, be it with audio that you recommend, stories, suggestions for future podcasts, feedback or something else, please find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at A Fantastic Noise. You can also email us at fantasticnoise at beds.ac.uk. Before we go, it's time for the Radio Word of the Week. Today it is RSS. What RSS stands for is up for debate. Many say really simple syndication. Some say RDF site summary. But that's irrelevant. RSS is a web feed that allows users and applications to access online in a standardised, computer-readable format. Podcast apps are generally elaborate RSS readers that aggregate the podcast audio of podcasts that you have subscribed to. So podcasts need to have an RSS feed for people to subscribe to them. Fantastic Noise does. I hope you are subscribed too. And you use the RSS feed to find us. RSS is the radio word of the week. That is it for this episode of Fantastic Noise. Thanks so much for joining us. There will be another episode next week. Do subscribe, give us a review and a rating if you will, and follow us on social media at A Fantastic Noise for future updates and previews. Thanks again to our guest today, Jim Daly from the FYP podcast. Come on, you eagles. Our artwork was produced by Stu Elvin, that's Stu with a double O, and our theme music is by Liam Ayton, remixed by Daniel Potter. This podcast was produced by me for the University of Bedfordshire's radio team, part of the School of Arts and Creative Industries, and recorded in the studios of Radio Lab 97.1 FM. I'm Terry Lee, and this, I hope you'll agree, has been a fantastic noise. Fantastic noise.